God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you today. Heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, we, your children, come to you. Thank you that we are brothers and sisters together in Christ. Lead, guide, and direct us in our service to you. In the precious name of our brother Jesus, amen. When I thought about this sermon a while back, I decided to do, since I'm preaching for two Sundays in a row, to do a little series on two short letters, Philemon and Second John. And this is all before Afghanistan and everything else that came up. But as I looked at Philemon, which we're going to look at today, and so just, that's the whole book, the whole letter that you heard read by in the reading. Next week, we'll look at 2 John, which is even shorter. So here's your assignment for next week, this week, when you come back next Sunday. Read 2 John. It'll take you about three minutes. Now, this is the epistle, not the gospel. John wrote the three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Read 2 John and find two key words in there, and I'll give you a quiz before the sermon starts, and see if you've got the two key words. There's two key words in that uh, little letter that we'll talk about in Second John next week. But today we're going to concenter on Philemon. And as we look around the world, you know, we, you know, we can talk about all the chaotic things, and it's it's sad, it's disheartening, it affects us differently. I don't know. It's just frustrating to see what's going on, Afghanistan the border crisis, hurricane coming in and hitting Louisiana, COVID, the Delta spreading rapidly in Oregon and across the country, crime rates up, just homelessness. We could go on and on and on. And then we come to CRT, which is a controversy in our communities, in our schools. And what about CRT? Critical race theory. Well, I'm not going to go into that. That's a political thing. But what I'm going to do is offer a solution better than CRT offers. Because CRT is based on psychology and sociology. But let's base one on God's word. And so, as you see on your bulletin, I call it critical relationship theology. Critical means it's really desperate. If someone is critical, it means they're hanging on between life and death. They can go either way. It's how well they're treated, whether they'll survive or if they can survive. Relationship means how we get along with one another and how we live in the community that God has put us in. And theology means study of theo-God, or therefore study of God's word, because that's where God speaks to us. And it's interesting that this little letter to a man named Philemon tells us something about relationships and how critical they are. And so what is the theology in this book? That's where I want to take you today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see the theology of relationships as we look at Philemon today. Amen. Now, you shouldn't a couple of prefaces before we look at the letter again that you heard read. But listen carefully to understand this a little bit. When you hear slavery, you think of 
Africans being captured, pushed onto a ship, brought across to America, and forced to labor, especially on big farms, plantations, or servants, and mistreated, cruel, put in poverty, nothing good for them. That's what we think of when we think of slavery. But when you think of slavery in New Testament times, it's a little bit different. Slavery was different. Slavery was a common thing. It was a slave society. It was estimated that there were more slaves in the Roman Empire than there were Roman citizens. Because almost every Roman had a slave or a servant. And they necessarily were not people of color, like we think of it. They were people who were brought into slavery by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was spread way across from the country of Italy, way across Asia Minor and all over the place. It was a big empire. It included Israel. The Jews were under the Roman Empire. And so what the Roman soldiers did, when they marched into a territory to have a battle and fight, or a city, or a state, or a country, and they won the battle, which they were good at, they were great soldiers, they brought people back into the Roman Empire and sold them as slaves. Now, some of these people were well-educated. They were business people. They were uh, maybe the same color, maybe not. But they were forced to be slaves, or sometimes called servants, of the Roman citizen. The Roman citizen could have slaves, and they had no rights, no freedom. They could be beaten, treated, mistreated, or the slave owner could treat them well and conclude them as part of the family. Sometimes they kept books for them, they paid the bills, they went to the shopping for them. They had a lot more freedom than the, slaveries, the slaves in uh, American culture. So keep that in mind when you, when you read about slavery. And that's why the New Testament doesn't say anything too much about against slavery. It just says, for owners of slaves to treat them well, and slaves do your good job. But in this letter, we have an interesting phenomenon. You see, there's Philemon. And he gets this letter from the Apostle Paul. And it's about Onesimus, his slave. And his slave had run away. Now, we don't know too much about all the history. It's in Colossians, but there's a, few, a reference there too. But well, we do know a few things. One, according to the book of the letter, Philemon was a leader in the church at Colossae. He lived in Colossae and he was a leader. Probably the, what we consider the pastor today, one of the church leaders in the church at Colossae. And he obviously knew Paul, but Paul had not been to Colossae yet. But Philemon had a slave named Onesimus. We know from reference to the letter that Onesimus probably stole something, or maybe some money, or maybe he was in charge of money and he stole something or some valuable stuff. And then Onesimus must have got scared, thought, well, I'll get beaten up, I'm in trouble. So he fled, he left, he ran. Where did he go? He went all the way to Rome, which was many, many miles away from Colossae. But Philemon was in charge of the church, or one of the leaders in the church at Colossae. But Onesimus left, and he went to Rome. Now, he knew about Paul. He may not have met him, but he might have heard him. He knew that his master knew him. And so when he got to Rome, he looked up Paul, who's in prison. And Paul and Onesimus become very close friends. 
even to the point where Paul called him his brother in Christ. But now, Paul has a dilemma. You see, Onesimus is a runaway slave. And so, Paul tells Onesimus, in fairness, you need to go back home. You need to turn yourself back in to Philemon. Onesimus becomes a Christian. He turns his life over to Jesus and becomes a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ. I find this interesting. Why didn't Philemon do that when he had him as a slave and bring, Christ, bring him to the relationship with Christ? But he didn't do that for some reason at that point. So Paul leads Onesimus to become a Christian, follower of Jesus. Now Onesimus agrees. He says, yes, he says, uh, I need to go back and face the music. Now, so many miles back, and so Onesimus and some friends head out back to Colossae. Paul writes a letter, okay? And he gives it to Onesimus and says, when you get there, give him this letter from me as a kind of an introduction how Philemon should treat Onesimus. That's kind of the background of the letter. So if you go to your um, bulletin, your order of service, to the epistle lesson, I want to lead you through what theology we can gain from this as we look at the uh, CRT thoughts. Now, notice this is, this is the whole letter, a simple letter, but, oh yeah, get the picture. Think about this. Onesimus has to go back and knock on the door. Philemon's going to open the door and see his runaway slave standing there. And Onesimus hands him a letter. Philemon reads it. Now think about what happens when he reads this letter. So he gets up the letter, gets the letter that Paul no doubt has sent with Onesimus, and he says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy wrote this too. We don't give Timothy a lot of credit, but Timothy wrote a lot of the books, a lot of the letters with Paul. And here we see it too. Paul and Timothy write this, and, and he calls Timothy his brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and to all the other people he mentions there. And he says it's the church in your home. So it's a house church. It's where the people met for worship in Philemon's house. Notice how he starts the letter, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Two key words, grace and peace. Notice how he ends the letter. Jump down to the very last verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace appears again. You see, Paul was very strong on grace, how important the love of God was. And so he says, grace to you, both the beginning and the end. And then he starts out again, continuing on in verse 4. I thank my God when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and the faith that you have. He you know, gives a little praise. And then he goes on in verse 6, a key verse in the letter. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Every good thing that's in us, he says. Jump down over to the gospel lesson for a minute and think what uh, is said there. It says, the things that defile us 
are what comes out of the heart. And out of the heart of man comes evil. And list all those evil things that come. Evil in our sinful nature comes out of us and destroys relationships. And the only way to change those relationships is through a faith in Jesus Christ who cleanses us from our sin and restores relationships. So uh, Paul says here that you uh, become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us. In us is good because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now Paul kind of, this is kind of interesting here, he says, I could be bold enough and demand that you you, you forgive Onesimus, but he says, um, I'm going to appeal to you and, and let you make the choice. But, you know, it kind of lays it on him. You're going to have to make the choice to please Paul. But Paul says it's your choice. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, he says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. That's the slave that's run away. And he says, I become a, his father in my imprisonment. He says, now he tells Onesimus, you know, when he was your slave, he was kind of useless for you, but now, man, things are different. He says, I'm sending him back to you. Um, I'd like to have kept him, but I knew that wasn't the thing to do. So I didn't want to use him and not send him back to you. So he said, I talked him into coming back to you. Onesimus could have said, no, I'm not going to go back. On the way back to Colossae, he could have ran and fled again not gone back and faced the music. But he goes back and does it. But notice in verse 16, he says that you might have him back forever. Notice verse 16, key passage, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother. Can you imagine Onesimus standing at the door reading this? I'm supposed to accept you, a runaway slave, as a beloved brother? Yeah, that's what Paul suggests. Um, so then he goes on in verse 17, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Now, here's where we know he did something, stole something or did something. He says, if he's wronged you, owes you anything, charge it to my account. Paul says, I'll pay for it. I mean, business doesn't have any money probably, so anything left over, whatever he used, whatever he embezzled, Whatever he did, Paul says, you can charge it to my account. I'll pay for it. Don't charge Onesimus. Don't make him work it off or beat him for it. And he says, I write this in my own hand. I will pay it if he owes you anything. And so uh, he, go, he kind of appeals uh, to him again. He says, uh, refresh my heart in, the, in Christ. In other words, be nice to this Onesimus. Forgive him. You know, treat him as a brother in Christ. And then he goes on in verse 23 and says in the letter, Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. <laughs> that means you, know, you might want to forgive him and maybe even uh, don't let him be a slave anymore. Prepare a guest room for me. That's interesting. Prepare a guest room. That means Onesimus, I mean uh, Philemon, is wealthy. If you had a guest room in your house... You had a big house. And most people only had two-room buildings. And so if you had a guest room, you, you, you're pretty prominent. And so he says, take one of your rooms, your guest rooms, and prepare it for me because I want to come and visit you. Well, Paul never made it. He never made it out of Rome because he was martyred a few years, a couple years later. 
He never made it to that guest room, but he wants to come to Colossae and visit. But no doubt, Philemon became a convert, probably at Ephesus, which is a town nearby, and he became the leader of the ch- starting a church in Colossae, and Paul kind of was, had jurisdiction over it, and he wrote a letter to the Colossians. And so it's all tied together here. And so then he says, a couple of people send greetings to you, and then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The word grace becomes a key word in, in uh, Paul's letter here. And the, cro- the grace is centered in the cross of Jesus Christ. What Jesus did for you and me, what he did for Philemon, and what he did for Onesimus. The cross is a reconciliation event. It's about restoring relationships. On the cross, Jesus restored your relationship and mine to God the Father. We were rebellious. We were runaways. But at the cross, Jesus brought healing. He shed his blood. He became the sacrifice that restored our relationship to God. And Jesus said, you can even call him Father. When you pray, say, our Father. It's a vertical it's also horizontal, reaching out to others. That's why Jesus said the greatest commandments are to love God above all things and love your neighbor as yourself. Love becomes a key component. Vertical, horizontal, the cross. Jesus paying for your sins, for your stupidity, for all the stuff that you've done wrong and I've done wrong, and he cleanses us with his blood and sets us free. And the amazing thing is, What makes us brothers and sisters? To be a brother and a sister, you have to have a common parent, right? A mother or father or both? Well, if we're Christians, if we believe in Jesus, our common father is God. God is your father, your spiritual father. That's why Jesus said, pray our father who art in heaven. He's your father, your spiritual father. Therefore, all who believe in Jesus have what? Relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ. You're a brother and sister in Christ. A common parent. Now the sad part is, not everybody is my brother and not everybody is my sister in Christ. You see, the unbelievers out there who refuse to believe in Jesus Christ or do not believe or have not heard the message are not my brothers and sisters in Christ. They are my brothers and sisters in Christ when we have the common faith in Jesus Christ. Onesimus did not have the common faith as Philemon when he fled. But now he comes back. He's been converted by Paul. Paul shared the message. He's come to believe in Jesus Christ. And now Paul says, he's your brother because you have a common father the Heavenly Father, and because you have the same Heavenly Father in the same salvation, he now is your brother. Receive him as your beloved brother, he called it. He says to Philemon, this puts an urgency on our part. People that are out there that are not our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's our responsibility to go out there and tell them the good news so that they might become brothers and sisters to us and be brothers and sisters in Christ and we can work together in peace and harmony and have good Theology, theology that brings the right kind of relationships. We must be concerned for the unfortunate. We must be concerned for people. Notice how Paul, in this letter, brings in Christian brotherhood. 
It's important we grasp this thing. Notice what Paul is really saying here. He says, in Christ, we remove all social, color, and classes. All those distinctions are eliminated in Christ. But only in Christ. You can't do it psychology. You can't do it with sociology. You can't do it by teaching it. You have to believe in Jesus Christ and be brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we have the right relationship. Then all become our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul says, Christian brotherhood and sisterhood removes all social, color, and class distinction. That's where the center is for you and for me. Otherwise, we have division. We don't have unity. We won't have unity if we keep having division among us. But the division and unity, even the opposite of each other, we as Christians bring unity by our relationship to Jesus Christ. It's Christ who makes the difference. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, paid for your sins on the cross, and rose again, you are my brother and my sister. If you don't believe that, well, then we're not brothers and sisters in Christ. But I pray that you are. I pray that all of you that are listening believe in Jesus Christ. If not, give your life to Christ and believe in him. Trust him as your Savior. Because then we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And then truly we have a critical relationship theology that works. It works for you and for me, for the church, for the community, for the world. Because you see, God loves you and me so dearly that he sent his son to give his life that you might live now and into eternity. Let me read a passage from 1 Peter. Peter, this is Peter writing now, not Paul. But 1 Peter in 1.23 says, For you have been born again. Okay, you're born again if you believe in Jesus Christ. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. God's word, God's theology, his good news in Jesus changes your heart from within. And when your heart from within is changed and my heart is changed, we then come and accept each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? That is great. That's how we are to live. Oh Lord, as we read and hear in this letter that Paul wrote to Philemon, help us to see on our own lives the good news that changes hearts from within. Just as Onesimus' heart was changed from within, change ours. And let us all be brothers and sisters in Christ together and reach out to those who do not are not our brothers and sisters yet, and share the good news of Jesus. For that's what you said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Hear us, O Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now what's interesting, and one more footnote here is, we don't know what actually happened here at the end. We never know what Philemon did with Onesimus. But it's interesting, this part, this letter, written by Paul, was read in the churches, 
It survived and became part of the New Testament as the inspired word of God. Isn't that amazing? This letter then would not have gone and become part of Scripture if Philemon had not followed the instructions. But because Philemon evidently followed the instructions, he wanted to share it. And all the churches in the area, Ephesus, Philadelphia, Sardis, all of them, began sharing the letters back and forth that Paul wrote. And this is one of them. They shared it. The churches then began to learn about brotherhood, about being brothers and sisters in Christ, how to live with the less unfortunate. And we work together in unity and not in division. And so this letter survived. So in the 300s, when the canon was established as what the New Testament was to be, Philemon, this letter, appears in the book, the Bible, God's holy book, God's holy word. What a letter. This letter is amazing. So study it again. Look at it carefully. Think about your own life. Think about your relationships to people. And rejoice that as believers in Christ, we're brothers and sisters together. Heavenly Father, God, Heavenly Father, it's ours together. We're of the same family. And just as it says, through the living and enduring word of God. What a blessing you and I have as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ. So indeed, I can say to you, God bless you, brothers. God bless you, sisters. Let's work together with the good news of Jesus. And let's get the word out to the people around us. And let's make a difference. Even in this midst of all this conflict that we're going through, with all the things that I mentioned in the beginning, all the tragedies that are out there, all the things that are happening, we can be somebody different. We can be different because we are brothers and sisters together serving Jesus Christ. So God bless you as you continue that journey.